Have you ever thought about that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? I did. I actually bought two homes in Albuquerque that I Airbnb'd, and it was just an amazing investment, honestly, because, you know, as you are accruing value in your property, you are also making money on the Airbnbs. It's amazing. So your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila is a must-have. It's an award-winning tequila. It's infused with real juice, with real fruit, which means the flavors are built in. It's real. So you need like two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Hey, um, you know how I'm always trying to keep my house parties exciting? New cocktails? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay, well, here's something that's going to flip the script. Okay. All right. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about this, right. Oliver Hudson. Yeah, 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila that's infused with juice from real fruits. You only need two to three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. Wait a minute. I think I know what brand you're talking about. You know why? Yeah. Because 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend. It's female founded. That's right. See? Sounds See like how I know? Something I can get behind. I know. Well, there's a good story behind that for sure. Listen, if you love tequila... You have to try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson. And my name is Oliver Hudson. We wanted to do something that highlighted our relationship. And what it's like to be siblings. We are a sibling rivalry. No. No, no. Sibling rivalry. Don't do that with your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Sibling rivalry. That's good. So Danica and Brooke Patrick, Ollie, that was fun for me. I I love listening to sisters because it's something that I never really had. Mm -hmm. And... um, and it's a different kind of relationship. It just is. I mean, it's very different than the brother-sister dynamic. And every time I hear sisters talk, it's like, wow, they're so emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but this was great. You know, Danica, she's got this exterior that you think of as really tough, but she's really so gentle and sweet. And Well, she's all about self-care. I mean, she really is um, about making herself better and that was news to me i mean you would think that again yeah she's tough she gets into car accidents she rubs she rubs paint but she's been into the bettering yourself you know for a long long time and it, and she's very uh, versed i mean she is very knowledgeable she has definitely done done the work read the books um it was really nice it, it, an, ex- an unexpected therapy session type of episode and um i think everyone's really going to enjoy it especially girls out there who you know this sort of stereotype of like what a girly girl is supposed to to be or what you know femininity looks like and danica sort of 
came in, you know, this hardcore race car driver, really tough and um, defied all of those stereotypes. Well, she also talked about how she discovered how she can use her femininity um, to, hey, you know, make money, how to stand out. You know, um, we talked a little bit about that, about when that came into play for her, you know. Anyway, it, this was a great episode. Brooke was great, and and um, she's breast currently breastfeeding, so I'm, I, I feel you, girl, feeling you. <laughs> but enjoy this episode mm-hmm. with Danica and Brooke Patrick. Dig it. So who's the older sister? She is. Is it just you two? Yeah. Oh, so just two. And, and your age difference? About exactly two years. So a boom, boom, what they call Irish twins, right? Close. Well, I mean, we're two years apart. Yeah. Is that well, what it is? What is the definition? Yeah, it's like Irish 18 twins? months almost. That's us. That's so cool. So you guys are yeah, basically we- probably your whole life just like did everything together. Yeah. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, I left, I left home when I was 16 though mm-hmm. for racing. So I would say that our like doing things together got cut short because of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pretty much when I would pretty much when she got to high school is when I left. Yeah. When she raced, like I went to every one of the races. I, we started at the same time. I wanted to try it. Like I told dad, I was like, Hey, I want to race go-karts. And then, you know, we both started at the same time though. Did you come from a family of racers? Yeah. Um, dad raced. Actually, our parents met on a blind date at a snowmobile race back when they were like 20 years old. And they were set up by a lady named Sue, which is why my middle name is Sue. Oh. So we were kind of destined for it. I, I was, my mom was at the snowmobile races with one of her friends that was a girl. And then this Sue set her up on the date with dad. And remember mom was Captain Traction. Yeah. Her nickname yeah. was Captain Traction. She put like the studs in the, yeah. in the snow, in the, in the belt of the, for the snowmobile. She was Captain Traction. <laughs> so you guys, where did you grow up? Illinois. Um, just right on the state line of Wisconsin and Illinois. In fact, we were both born in Wisconsin, but we grew up in Illinois. So that's how close we were to the border. Like the best hospital was in a different state. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we Midwestern girls. So racing from the very beginning was everything. I mean, that was just what you guys, I mean, mean, that was literally the start of like a lot of our memories was when we started racing because every weekend we'd be together, whether we were, you know, in the van driving somewhere or in a hotel or, I mean, like you're just always together then every weekend. So that's kind of when we started like just connecting a lot more. Yeah, I actually don't really have a lot of childhood memories before that. I mean, I really don't. Like, I I mean, I think a lot of people, I think it's a little weird and I'm sure there's some kind of shit to unpack because I don't remember a lot of things when I was younger, but I don't. And so (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, um, Danica, maybe you should get hypnotized. See what was going on. Yeah. If you have a good hypnotist, I'd really love to unpack (laughs) zero to 10. (laughs) Now, growing up like in a small town like that, that must have been that moment, Brooke, when you're like, I want to race (laughs) go-karts. Well, I remember like there was the bus stop like right across from our driveway. So I would be, since I was younger, I'd take my little big bird like tricycle and I would just race it around the driveway like as fast as I could. And I thought it was just like hot shit doing it. Um, And so then I was like, I think I like to go fast. I think I like this stuff. And so then I told dad, I was like, 
I think I want to race. I want to race go-karts. And so in Roscoe, Illinois, is that right? Did I just get that right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you did. Mm -hmm. Where do you go-kart? Is that like, like, what are the things that kids do? There's tracks actually like all over, really all over the country. Um, The closest one was only like 45 minutes away. So we would just, we just signed up and got a go-kart and started racing. The, uh, I mean, the first year we raced, we went to the same track every weekend. Mm -hmm. It was like the same location. We did their whole series for the summer. Um, but it was a way for us to spend time together as a family was the purpose of it really, because mom was a stay at home mom, dad went and worked a ton. So, uh, there was like, they felt that there was a need obviously to get to know my dad, get to know our dad. And so racing was how we did it. And what does your dad do? So he worked in glass, like installing commercial glass to buildings, um, like storefronts, like, yeah, storefronts yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, big, like even shopping malls and stuff. So yeah, he was a, he was a glazer as they'd say. <laughs> was your closeness, like, was it always super tight? Did you fight? Oh yeah, for sure. How do you remember the fights going? What happened? So we used to fight about clothes the most. Number one was always clothes. Like it was, you know, we had just like gobs of clothes. Like we both were, had a ton of stuff, but for some reason it was like, you always wanted something that was in your sister's closet, you know? And it was like, you get ready for school. And I'm like, Hey Danica, can I, um, can I wear that shirt? And you were already dressed and you're like, I don't know. I might change my mind. I don't really think, no, you can't do that. And I was like, you know, see, this is stuff I don't remember. Danica's like, I don't remember. (laughs) Or just finding stupid stuff like, you know, when you had landlines, like we had landlines and it was like the phone would ring and she'd be like, all right, race you to the phone. And so being the gullible little sister, I like sprinted over and then she'd just not go. I'd even do a countdown. Yeah. Three, two, one, yeah. go. And I'd just sit there. So I didn't yeah. have to do it. Yeah. So she duped me. So maybe those were some <laughs> of the fights, but I just remember mainly clothes. So, so stupid. And... Don't forget, I wanted to sleep in your bed every night and you didn't oh, want me yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to sleep in the bed with her. I didn't like to sleep alone. And I'm sure there's I'm sure there's shit to unpack there too. God. <laughs> it's like therapy. <laughs> um, Jesus, are you, you like, are you you have packed. You you've got bags packed to the ceiling. Yeah. We got Danica, oh, if it makes you feel any better, I didn't want to sleep in alone either, ever. I was always trying to get into Oliver's he had a trundle bed. And so I was always trying to get in to sleep on the trundle bed. Oh, yeah, oh, oh that's out. fun. Yeah. yeah, I'd so I'd tell her, I'd be like, Brooke, I'll sleep in the bed. I'm already dressed for school <laughs> for tomorrow. So when I get up. I just have to roll out of bed and then I'm ready. And she I won't would, even wake you up. She would rationalize. She goes, I'm only going to take up yeah. this much room. Yeah. Like that's, she was like, literally, I'm just going to be like this. And most of the time we did sleep in the same bed. And it was a water bed. It was a water bed. So most of the time I let her, but once in a while I'd put my foot down and I'm like, no, it's my bed. And then it was this all out argument and crying and tears. And she's like, I just want to sleep like this right here. And I can't I'm like, believe you actually had a water bed. Like I've so only seen them. I've literally only seen waterbeds in the movies and our cousin. <laughs> they were actually super comfortable. Really? There's so many pictures of her laying on me because she's like a cuddle bug. Like she's always, and it was literally like, she'd be laying on my chest. Like my parents would take pictures of us in the morning. It was always her like laying on me. 
because she cuddles all the time. Physical touch is my love language. Mm -hmm. It is? That's Oliver's love language. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this right here, that means a world of difference. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about mom. She was a stay-at-home mom, which I personally think is the hardest job in the world. So what was that like with mom? I mean, she was she always super supportive of the racing? Was she like, did she get anxiety over this stuff? She was super on board. I mean, I think she kind of knew there was like this common interest between her and dad was always racing. So I think it was just like, all right, here, here we go. I mean, she's definitely like a go with the flow kind of girl. So she's not going to probably, I don't think she would have said, no, you can't do that. It's too dangerous. Um, they just decided to buy the best kind of safety stuff that they could. I mean, dad was like, okay, well, if we're going to race, you're going to have the best helmets and you're going to have, you know, the safest things that you can. Um, but I'm not going to limit you. When you were little, were you, did, were there a lot of other girls that were racing or were you guys kind of the girls? No. Brooke, Brooke, um, you raced for what? Um, a few months. Like a solid two months. Yeah. (laughs) Solid. Yeah. Didn't really work out. She didn't really, I mean, explain why you stopped. So I didn't like it. So I loved like when I could just drive, I loved going around the track. I like getting better at something and being fast, but alone, alone. Yeah. I did not like the contact. So at our little local track, it was like, we would have practice with these grown men, you know, 40 year old men with carts that were way faster than mine. And they would like literally drive over top of me. And I've clearly, I was slow. I was eight years old. I was like not going fast, but they would like hit me to get me out of the way. And I remember like one day I got in like three or four accidents and I was like, yeah, don't really like this anymore. I think I think I'm done with that part of it. So that was literally when I said I didn't I didn't want to race anymore is because I I didn't like the crashing I didn't like the contact and that's when Danica came up behind all of them and started just like then, yeah then was- I was gonna ask like what did Danica like how did you how did you react to to that you know what I mean like when when those forty year old men were pushing you out of the way what did was your well, do you remember that no I, I don't remember that I I mean See, my first like raced. one of my first like I remember having this. I was telling the story just the other day, having this encounter uh, for someone that cut me off in practice. I was on the track and someone came out in front of me and slowed my lap down, came into the pits afterwards, and he came in behind me and I went over to his cart and was yelling at him. I'm 10. I'm yelling at him Mm -hmm. and he's still in his go-kart he's a full grown adult. Like this is, this was, and I remember this was the, um, it was the president of a big tool company called Klein tools. It was the president of the company. I didn't really give a shit. Didn't know. Didn't matter. Point is, is he was probably 50 and I was yelling at him. So, um, yeah. And I can remember also in the first year I, someone cut me off or did something to me and I, I, I punted them and their chain fell off and they couldn't finish. And I remember I kind of got in trouble for that. Um, so I guess I'm not going to say that I was an aggressive, like really mean driver, but I was, um, here's, here's the thing about me. When someone, someone's first offense to me will barely be remembered because my response is so big that that's the only one you think about. Like if someone does something rude and like elbows you in the street, like my reaction is like, 
Hey, excuse me. Like you're never going to remember the elbow because I just yelled at them verbally. Um, or if somebody cuts me off, like, and I punt them, you're never going to remember the little cutoff. You're just going to go down. I could just punted that guy. So I would say that like my retaliations or my, what I would call my reactions to someone else's lack of, um, quality or ethics or, you know, fairness, uh, is just a little heightened. Well, I think it's fair to say then that you're just, you're, you're not intimidated. I'm, I'm not intimidated. No, no, I'm not. That's accurate. Even at that young of an age, you know, that's just part of who you are, I guess. Yeah. And that's why it didn't work out for me and it worked out for her. (laughs) That's the story. I can actually relate to that kind of, that feisty, back at you kind of thing. But as I get older, I, I'm softening those reactions. Mm-hmm. Do you find that as you yeah. get older that that's part of your process and your work, you know? Yeah. In fact, I was just grocery shopping this morning and as I'm grocery shopping and this this person was standing in the middle of the aisle and someone came by on the other side and I came by on this side and, you know, I it just happened at the same time. And this guy's like, Oh God, Oh God. And like the old me might've been like, like, calm down, buddy, relax. Yeah. But the new me or the better or evolved or more, um, I don't know. It's almost like more of transparency for emotions and less taking things less personal. I can recognize that this guy is clearly a guy that just gets offended easily. And, you know, I can look at the situation now that or many other things and just go, it's not about me. That's about you. Your reaction, your treatment of me says a lot more about you than it does about me. So I guess I have a lot more. So you have done some unpacking. Oh, yeah. She's been unpacking. Dude, I mean, I I just. It it, might have been a small little tote tote bag, but you have done some unpacking. Yeah, I used to have like a giant like expanded, you know, suitcase, expander suitcase. (laughs) And now I just have a carry on. Perfect. (laughs) I think a carry on, I think you can go through life with a carry on. I think that's okay. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. (laughs) I do. I love self-improvement. In fact, I like, I mean, if I'm driving down the road or if I'm hanging out by myself, I, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I don't even listen to as much music. I'm listening to a podcast or a YouTube video, or I'm reading a book or I'm doing an online course of something or I'm doing therapy. I mean, for me, I have two goals in this life and I'm given the way my life has gone. I am starting to backtrack a little bit from these two words because they imply um, a little bit of pain at times or a lot, in fact, but truth and growth. So that's so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, is this self-improvement, you know, relatively new? I can remember when I would read books when I was younger, I didn't understand why I didn't read that many books. I felt like everybody reads so many books. I don't really read that many books. And that's because I'm picking up books that are like in the self-help section. And when you're like 15, you're probably not reading a book about, you know, self-discovery and, you know, like the subconscious mind. You're probably reading a book about, you know, I don't know. You're the probably reading Club. Babysitter's Club. Have you, you know? so, have you read Untethered Soul, Michael Singer? That's, that's my number one. 
I just finished yeah, that one. Yeah, it's that's really, wonderful. I mean, that was a that was a game changer for me. I, I still pick it up every once in a while and reread. She just gave it to me because she was like, here, I just, she just finished it. And I'm like, yeah, if only I had time to read. It's a- yeah. <laughs> what do you think it is about you, though, Danica, that like is, you know, from that young of an age? Like, why do you think that is just a piece of who you've always been is sort of th- self-improvement? I think some of that has been because like, she didn't, I mean, school was, she did school up until sophomore year in high school. I mean, I dropped out junior year. So like, it was always like school was not a part of like the learning, you know, mindset for her. You know what I mean? She kind of got to learn about the things she wanted to learn about. You know, I feel like, you know, I grew up definitely with more of a traditional, like I went to college and I went to grad school. Like, I mean, it's more to more of a traditional kind of mindset. And I feel like you just got to decide what you wanted to learn. I'm a, I'm just, I guess I would just say that I'm a little bit more of a serious person and I have a deep, deep interest in the nature of reality and um, how the world works and how, I mean, just, just understanding reality, manifesting energy, frequency, like all of those things have always been really, um, I, I know I have words for them now, but when I was younger, I just wanted to understand how things work. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of, I just have a really insatiable mind for knowledge about the universe and about ourselves and about our connection to things, um, and connection to, um, each other. And how we- so does relig- does does religion play any part in that? Um, yeah, I mean, I went through a phase. I'm um, phase. I mean, I I guess I go through phases, but it's more about for me where I dive. I like I sort of participate in something for a while. I mean, shoot, when I I mean, I used to be married. I got married in a Catholic church. I became Catholic. I went through the whole system and like did the weekly classes, and then. You know, then I dated someone that was, you know, we went to a Baptist church and that was fine. And, you know, then I've kind of, I, I've never bought into any of it completely. I've always just thought, I guess I've found that there's a word for it. It's called omnism, which is the, is the, you don't believe in any religion, but that there's truth in all of them. I feel like that's where I fall is like, they all have inherent good and bad, just like we do. And so there's something good in, in all of them. It's just that, you know, if you use one as your only, I think it can be limiting to your, um, your growth or your connection to people too. It's like a form of division. Um, so, uh, I, I don't think a religion has played, religion has been a, a, a player in the, in my evolution, but never like the reason. I have a question. Um, this is for Brooke, just from your perspective, Danica saying that she's always been, you know, she's serious. Do you see her that way? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think she's much more intense. Like, um, you know, everything has always been much more like, I don't know. She's always liked kind of darker things too. Like, I mean, we used to go through a phase of like witchcraft, but I mean, like, I mean, that's just like, that's a serious topic, right? Like, I mean, witches and, um, yeah, the old witchcraft. Phase. You know, what was the movie? It, it was the craft. the craft. Do you remember the craft? I mean, like we the went craft. Total, oh, yeah. like, I'm still kind of in the witchcraft phase. Just saying. Lightest feather, sips board. Um, we did that. Stuff. Ouija boards. <laughs> yeah, we've like, done. Oh, yeah. We've done a lot of Ouija boards, Ollie and I. A lot of Ouija boards. Um. Okay. So. So yes, the Danica has always been 
quite sort of serious and, and the, you know, do you think as you got older and you're clearly in a profession or in a hobby that is male dominated, that that became more exacerbated because you felt like maybe you needed to even be more serious about what you were, who you are and what you were doing and how you presented yourself? Why don't you answer your perspective and then I'll answer from mine. I mean, I think she had to, I think it's like in her to, to be tough. Like that, that is her, but I think she always had to kind of maybe show people that like she cared or she was, you know, like she wasn't just like a weak female in a male sport. You know what I mean? I think she kind of had to like kind of stand up a little taller for herself. Um, I think it came, it comes natural for her, but I think it kind of just, strengthened that characteristic in her. And I feel like now she's definitely with like just anything like, you know, like we're out on a boat and it's just like, now she acts more like a kid, you know, like jumping in and playing. And it's definitely not like, no, I'm going to sit on the boat and I'm just going to like listen over here. I mean, it's almost gone the other direction where it's like going seeking more childlike, playful Mm -hmm. light. Um, So whether that was kind of part of their evolution or something she had to do, but like, I think she needed it because, oh my God. So I'll tell you a story now. I know this is going to get off track about the two seater ride that I did with her. Um, So like this past October, she had gifted us a trip to Napa to her winery. And then we went in a car. Like It was a Christmas gift. I called the Christmas gift drinking and driving. So (laughs) we went to Napa and drank a bunch of wine and I gave them two seater rides. So it was titled drinking. So it was a real like race Porsche car. It was a car, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it was a race car. So um, I was 30 weeks pregnant and I was not going to miss it. So I was like, dude, I can trust her with my life. Right. And my babies. So it was the most intense thing I've ever done. Maybe ever. And I've rode in like IndyCar two seaters. I've rode with many other drivers. And this was the first time I've ever rode with her. And it was so freaking intense. I was like screaming and like gripping. And I mean, so I'm thinking this is as simple as it is with nobody around. So like, I think she had to be tough and intense because that was not for the weak of hearts, like by any means. So I think that that just, um, I think your occupation was definitely part of it, but it, it suited your personality. I mean, the speed was probably 60% of what the speed could be like in an indie car. And then of course you're doing it alone. So now put, you know, 25 of your friends out there with you. And it's, uh, it was scary as shit. And she like, <laughs> and she, I mean, she just kind of was got done like, yeah. And I just kept saying, I'm like, did I, you I have kept, fun? I kept saying, I could never do that. I literally was like, I kind of couldn't catch my breath. And I was like, I could never do that. Like, mm. how did you do that? And she was like, I know you couldn't do it. <laughs> right? I think you're like, that's why I did the, yeah, I, I think she said something like I couldn't, I could never do that. And I'm like, well, I know. I know, but I kept saying, <laughs> Not I'm like, like I, don't know how you did it. I, really, I don't know how you did what you did for as long as you did. And that, I was in a very controlled environment, so I couldn't even imagine like how much stress that was. Yeah. And I knew I had a baby on board. So, um, <laughs> but I would say that from my perspective, what I'm realizing is um, as I've retired a couple of years, two years ago and you know, gotten away from it and also like just life, you know, unpacking life and evolving and growing and learning more about myself. Um, I, I think I really had to nurture that masculine side 
of the seriousness, right? So you can be serious and be, you know, soft, right? But I think that because of the environment that I was in, there was a, there was a more masculine sort of, um, uh, characteristic to it. Um, so the idea of like being holding a boundary, let's say, and, or giving someone a truth, let's use that as an example, like being honest with people. I have, um, it's one of the things that I have an, an ability to sense is someone's truth versus a lie. Like I can just sense it in them. And, but the thing is, is that I don't know how to, I'm not very good. Like I literally don't have a visualization or an, or a feeling for the middle ground between allowing and not saying anything and, you know, putting a sword through your heart. And it doesn't mean that the sword through your heart's a lie. It's not, it's true. And perhaps it's necessary, but how do you reach the middle ground in the middle that's, um, that's still kind, loving and received while still saying the same thing that's over here on this, you know, far end of the spectrum that can be a little bit um, sudden for someone or aggressive or jolting. Um, but you know, you're always safer in that middle ground. So that's what I'm kind of learning how to do is to, you know, figure out how to deliver truth in a way that's, um, you know, in a space that I never cultivated. Right. Mm. Right. Like, here's an example too. Like, you know, somebody told me, um, you know, Hey, everybody's going flat through one and two. Like you need to go flat through one and two, which means just like, hold it wide open. You can't lift. Right. So then I'd go, Okay. I, I still have no idea you what do you're it. talking about. No idea. Okay. So say you're driving a race car <laughs> and like, you know, Lord. it's an oval okay. and you know, you're trying to, they're like flat means never lifting off the throttle. Right. Okay. So they're like, okay, you need to hold it wide open through one and two. Everybody else is doing it. And so there's either, there's two sides of me. There's one that goes, okay. And then there's the other side of me that goes, well, that's impossible. The car handles like shit. You need to change it. And I can't do that. Do you want me to crash to prove it to you? And so like, again, can you see how there's like, it's one or the other, right? So that's this world I lived in was like, okay, I'll go do it. Or that's impossible. I can't do that. And this is why. And so instead of that, perhaps middle ground where it's like, look, I'm going to, I'll go out and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to I might crash, but if I feel like that's going to be the situation, I'll back it down and we're just going to have to work on it. Okay. Like, right. There's the middle ground that Mm -hmm. feels so much more about holding your own sort of integrity to the situation, but not being so, um, cut and dry. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're basically saying that you have this thing where you just go right to the point and it can feel very aggressive sometimes. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Got it. Yes, That's exactly right. With our um, relationship too, I feel like that I kind of learned that about her. So before it'd be like, okay, you know, like a more like quiet, reserved. And then now she, you know, if she says something, I'm like, yeah, actually I do need to do that. Or, you know, no, like, I think you're being rude right now. Like, I'll just give it back to her. And then all, all of a sudden it just goes right back down. Like, it's just like not a problem. Like if I give, give it back. Give the example on the trip. Oh yeah. So we just got back from Montana. And so I have a baby, so I'm still breastfeeding. And so, I mean, I was away for six days. I had to pump, right? And, you know, every like three hours, you got to do this. And she looked up and she was, I think she was hungry, but this is the underlying thing. She was hungry. And then she looked up, she was like, you're pumping again? God, don't you do that too much? Is, Is that really necessary to do all the time? And I go, 
Yeah. I didn't say it quite like that. <laughs> well, it was you, you. She goes, do you really need to do that? I feel like you've done that a lot. Is that necessary? And I go, yeah, actually it is. Every three hours. It's very necessary. <laughs> and then it was just like, it was okay. fine. It was done. Yeah. It was, was over. Like, oh, See, okay. my thing is <laughs> too, is sometimes I'm like, just tell me I'm, if you think that I sound rude or weird, just say it, just yeah. say like that sounded yeah. really rude. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't mean it well, to be that we've, way. We've had this conversation before, you know, Katie and I've had this conversation before tone. It plays a big part in how you speak. You know, you can be very direct and forward and not be passive aggressive and use a tone that is not off putting. You know, I mean, you can say, you know, do you really, have to do that all the time and just say it in different ways and you'll you'll garner a different response you know well, what how I mean? could i say it help me out Should, t- give me an example no no, no. i'm just saying I, i'm me. just saying if you're like if you're like oh my god like do you have to do that all the time or if it's like you know more of why do you have to is it necessary to do that every three hours like educate me for a second you know what i mean or or yeah. is it why do you have I to mean, do that, that all the time you said the same thing twice that's kind of how i said it didn't didn't i i feel no, like i said a little more i was like oh that. i was like okay i'm like is it necessary to do it that often see perception is everything that sounds pretty good i like that <laughs> and she said yes it is and i said okay Sakara. Everybody always asks, how can I get on track or I need just something to help me kickstart that's sort of easy and I don't need to think about it. And this is great. What Sakara is, is a food delivery system of beautifully prepared foods that are healthy meals, taste super good, and it helps you kind of reach your health goals. It's like a reset. They not only provide you with your food meals for the day, but they also supplement. So you have your your nutritional supplements, you have teas. I personally, yeah, the, the, the meals, amazing. You know, the prepared meals, the health aspect of it. I love it. There's no doubt about it. But for me, it's about the metabolism super powder, okay? It's an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. I'm 43 years old. I'm trying not to be bloated. I've been bloated for a good 10 to 12 years now. It's it's going down. Weight gain, it just happens. And fatigue, I mean, these are things that are real in my life. And so while everything is amazing as far as the food goes in this for, with Saqqara, the metabolism super powder, that's an, that's an Oliver Hudson special right there. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash sibling or enter code sibling at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash sibling to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash sibling. So Helix, I will say this, and I gotta be totally upfront. I am living in Colorado right now. Um, doing remote learning from here with the kids to be in the mountains. And uh, while I don't miss my home in LA necessarily, I do miss my Helix mattress. Right now I am sleeping on mattresses from 1983. And um, I go to bed dreaming about my Helix. Helix, come back. Because I miss you so. Oh, Helix, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Um, Helix is amazing. I've had it for months and months now. What I love about Helix is the quiz component. You can take your quiz. It's like two minutes. 
and, you know, tell them how you sleep. They ask you all these questions and they, they, they pop out what they, they recommend as the best mattress for you. I took the quiz and I was matched with my Lux Midnight. I've been sleeping on my Helix for some time now. And again, I will reiterate, I miss you, baby. I miss you. It has been awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash sibling. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They're going to match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. At helixsleep.com slash sibling. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash sibling for up to $200 off. When you guys were younger, was there, because you're so close in age, you're both beautiful. Was there ever like a boy you guys both liked? And Was there? Um, uh, you know, wasn't there? Well, there was one, one, one in go-karting that I think we both thought was cute. Wait. Oh, I wasn't even, it was, uh, I remember, remember Grant, Schnabel in uh, in Prairie Hill. Prairie you Hill. liked Grant Schnabel? Oh yeah, back then. <laughs> yeah, back then. And I remember, like, I mean, it was in the same grade. So then it was like, so he wasn't you calling can have me. Him. He wasn't calling me. And so I remember one time though, he called, and I think I acted like her. <gasps> I got acted because we sound somewhat similar. So I think I remember a couple times. I think I feel like I I acted like you. What the hell? I think I did it once. <laughs> but other than that, like, thanks you know, guys, because I didn't actually ever know that story. I think that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, Brooke, Brooke, what was it like? What was it like for you when Danica left? I mean, at 16, which is a very young age, you're 14, you know, and she's now gone. Yeah, that was the only that one. Was a big, um, time in my life, really, because I was a freshman in high school, you know, like right when you need, like, kind of your sister as a mentor, you know, we would have been in the same school together and not to have her there was, um, I think that really helped our relationship a lot more because, I mean, we used to, you know, you take for granted when your sibling is there and then all of a sudden, you know, you put them across the world. And um, I think I just was much more grateful for our connection, our friendship from England because um, I just missed her, you know? Did you ever feel like, I wish I was doing that? Like, I wish I was in England out of school? I never was jealous of, like, that kind of thing. The only stuff that I felt like, I mean, of course, you know, like, when you get to do fun things and you get to meet cool people. And, I mean, some of that is, like, that'd be pretty fun. And, like, who doesn't love to get, like, dressed in beautiful stuff and get your hair and makeup done? I mean, like, that would be fun to do. And I've gotten to do some of it. But I think those were the only times where I'm like, man. That looks so fun. But I actually was never envious of your job or your role. I was, I literally knew it was not my job. Like, it's not my personality. It's, it's hers. It was like, I was just proud of her, you know? I was never jealous of her racing. When you left Danica, who went with you? No one. So you went alone. Wow. 16. I will never forget the day we dropped her off at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Oh, boy. I mean, like, I think all f- three of us, she Not was, me. she was dry eyed. I didn't cry. Like mom, dad, and I were like in the car, like probably already crying on the way there. And then was like, like her two big bags rolling down. And of course, like mom and dad and I were just were like 
bawling. You know what I mean? We're just like devastated, sad. She like kind of was like, bye guys. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> <laughs> but that was like, I don't know. I mean, that's like, I guess how that's just your personality at that time was like, you literally didn't shed a tear. She didn't shed a tear. We were like, hang on, let's give me the arc of the tear crying. Like, how would you say? Because I feel like I probably was like that for a long time. When did he start crying? Well, just like emotions. Like when, you know, have Um, I always been like that? Yeah. Yeah. Probably have always like those not typical things make her cry. Like, I mean, normal stuff like. I wouldn't say you're somebody who watches a show or something like that and is like leaky eyed. Like that's unless not it's really, about a dog. Unless it's about a dog. I say like you know, like Marley and Me is like the only time you cried. I won't even watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh Honestly, it's only because I don't want to cry. Mm-hmm. Like the, when she's tender, she's super tender, right? Like, but most like typical like cry movies or whatever like just don't get you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh man, I'd cry. I cry so much. You'd never like dating me. You'd be like, "Shut! What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> All of I've cries. cried a lot more lately. I have oh. a. I do a word of the year, and my word of the year this year was feel. So I decided recently to change that to feel joy because uh, feeling mm. period was pretty shitty. <laughs> right, Danica. Right. Yeah. No, it's good though. <laughs> I mean, and I guess, you know, when you, when you, when you think about even just the word feel versus if you don't feel, then you're living sort of like in this neutral land of, um, lacking joy, right? If you don't feel sadness, you can't also feel the joy because you're sort of in the middle. If you don't feel, it means you can't feel the joy either. So, you know, if you're going to want to feel, that means you're going to expose yourself to more truths and growth, right? Because that's where like, you know, darkness of the pain and then the bright of the, of the, of the growth and the light that comes on the other side of it. So yeah, I think my word just implied Mm -hmm. that I was going to have, you know, I was going to be going into it and I've been making up for lost time this year. This is so good. Mm -hmm. I'm loving this. You're in, this is a, and what an interesting time. I mean, evolved. (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) Don't forget about the, the remember the remember the pe- unpacking packing thing the suitcase thing. <laughs> I know. Okay, I, wait. Yeah. So you no. go to England. <laughs> you go to England. Brooke, you're home. You're alone. Ninth grade. You're 16. You're on your own. There's nobody take watching after you. Are you living by yourself? Are you? Oh, um, I, yeah. I'm. I'm lived with a couple girls. Um, Where in England were you? Where uh, I was at that point in time, I was in an area called Milton Keynes, a town called Milton Keynes. It was about an hour north of London. And and for people who don't know, what were you racing at that time? So if anyone knows like what an indie car looks like, so a stock car looks kind of like a regular car, the wheels are covered. And then an indie car is open wheel, more like an F1 car. Um, with wings. And then, so what I was racing was basically a really small version of the open wheel car, the F1 Indy car looking car with no wings on it. So no wings, which meant the car couldn't go as fast through the corners because it doesn't have downforce. So if you just think about an airplane, like the wings take you up, like these wings kept you on the ground, right? So they allowed you to go faster around the corner. Um, So yeah, I raced open wheel cars without wings for a couple of years when I was there. How many other women were you racing with? Was it all women or were you, is it total all men? All men. So you mm-hmm. were the only girl. Yeah. Oh my God. Why do you, why do you, why do you think that there haven't been more female drivers just in general? 
I think my first go-to on that is just that it's not normal, right? Like, so number one, racing is not normal. It's not like you play it in school, right? It's not like you go like play basketball. You don't go racing in school. So access to even the feeling or whether or not you like it is super low. Um, Mm -hmm. then on top of it, you, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, a lot of sports, I mean, in general, I think you think of sports and you think of guys a lot, right? I mean, it's dominantly a a male thing to play sports. And so, um, so then you're, you're, you're even less girls there. And then on top of it, you have a machine, right? You're like dealing with a machine and then you're dealing with bumping and crashing people and, you know, things that are dangerous. And now you have even less, right? Cause that's sort of like the guy's willing to jump off the cliff. He's got, you know, or, and you know, I'm on the other hand, actually not that brave. And I'd be like, yeah, no. So I feel like as you sort of peel away the layers of just like what it takes to be a driver, you keep filtering out more and more girls. And then on top of it, mm-hmm. to find a good one, I've always used this analogy too, that if it takes a hundred guys to find one that's good, it takes a really long time to get through a hundred girls to finally find one that's good. The ratio might not be that different, but there's just not that many that come through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My answer on that side, because it's hard, you know, from my perspective, I feel like that nobody's been able to balance kind of all of what comes at you as well as she has. I mean, I'm sure there's been talented, well, just like dealing with like extra media and not like always in a glamorous standpoint. I mean, I think because you're tough, when people came at you, you could stand your ground, you could, um, you know, be like authentically you. And I feel like that, um, that's not a feminine, you know, that's more of a masculine characteristic. And I feel like your personality just balanced the two very well. I feel like that you could be, you could be really tough, but you could also do like, Oh yeah, let's do a photo shoot and be really glamorous and beautiful. And you know, like, I just don't think Well, that's a good, that's a good segue into this next thing I really wanted to ask, which was sex symbol stuff. Because When you came on the scene, from my perspective, you were really seen and positioned as a sex symbol. Now, was that something that you embraced or was that something that was sort of brought upon you? You know, was that something you like sort of moved with forward and not at all? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good question. And and there was a point in time where it did transition. And so... I think in naturally there's this sort of like women in sports, like think about like on the F1 grid, like the, you know, the name whole flag girls name, like they're beautiful. Like I think there's just this sort of role essentially. Um, So being a girl, maybe I tried to be plugged into that every now and again, but there was a real point in time where it shifted for me as a person where I went, wow, because I did try and avoid looking like a girl, like without nail polish and without, you know, makeup and, you know, like just wearing jeans and just not trying to highlight it because as I'm talking about the race car and I'm using my hands, if I have pink nail polish on, I don't need you to doubt me any more than you may may already doubt me. Mm -hmm. And so Mm. um, by being reminded of it. So um, I was asked to do a photo shoot for FHM. Remember that old sexy magazine? Oh, yeah. My wife was in it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Was she a a cover girl? And yeah, she was. Uh, she did the cover, and then they did the whole like FHM. You know, it's like top fifty or whatever. Ah, <laughs> yeah. go Oliver. Yeah. 
So I was asked to do the photo shoot for them and it wasn't the cover, but it was probably like, I don't know, five or six pages. And so it was like the, the other photo shoot that's really big in the magazine. And I was 19 maybe. And when it came out, I had no idea how it was going to be. Was it going to be one picture or not? I, I mean, I don't know. And it came out and um, it just kind of was a big deal in the racing community and in like in sports as far as just, you know, doing that. And there was a lot of attention generated, but it didn't take away from up. It didn't take away from what I could do. And it also kind of added to opportunities. And so I realized that I still got to do what I wanted and I could look like that and I could do that and I could help my cause because damn it, they, they, it didn't help sometimes. Right. So if, you know, in this world of duality, right. And you've got, you know, being a girl, I'm not going to give her an opportunity because she sucks. Well, Hey, I got a sponsor because guess what? I look like this and I can help them out. And so, you know, everything takes its balance. I really believe everything balances out. So, you know, I did get a lot of opportunities, but I was judged a lot. I was probably doubted a lot. I probably didn't always have the best quality, everything, because maybe the team didn't want to give it to me at times or didn't care. Or didn't feel like I'd use it properly. Um, so I think there, there's always a balance to it. But from that point on, from whatever, I think it was about 19 years old, um, I realized that I'm going to use everything I have to make this happen. And part of it was being a girl and looking like that. And I never crossed the line. I, I, I want to make sure it's important that I never put myself in a position that I wasn't okay with. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that what I'm okay with is what you're okay with but I was always okay with it. Right. Now, did you experience, did you, did you experience a lot of not okay, you know, living in this man's world, you know, was there a lot of shit where you're like, wow, that's fucked up. Why did, I can't believe you said that, or I can't believe you did that. I mean, how much not okay did you experience? Yeah, I think honestly, in the, the, in the, the racing biggest, community, I think the backlash, I feel kind of like backlash was like the bad stuff came more from women. Mm-hmm. Which is where I'm like, hey, it's my comfort zone, but not yours. I really don't care what you think and what you're okay with doing. What is it? There's some saying like it's easier, it's easier to convince somebody of something wrong than it is to make them believe in something new that's right or something like that. But I mean, I'm sure that there's just that feeling of like, if I if I am okay with this, I have to relearn what my new standards and levels of acceptance and what that means for me, right? So it's easier to try and break other people down to then validate, justify, and strengthen your own belief system um, because it mm -hmm. makes you feel safe, right? Because the ego's job is just to keep you safe right now. So it goes, oh, I don't think it's okay what you do, how you live your life and how, how everything is. So the ego goes, oh, man, you better project some shit onto that because it makes you feel better. <laughs> I think it's also mm -hmm. the, 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 the complexity of gender, of gender issues is, is as complex as everything else, if not one of the most. I think right now specifically, you know, it's not it's not a black and white issue. There's a lot of like let's let's just look at women alone and what women the position in a patriarch that women have been put in for hundreds of years where we are constantly vying for the protection of a particular man. I mean that is in our DNA to say mm -hmm. 
if I can get this man to see me as the one to protect, then I then I am protected. And so mm. as we carry that into like today in 2020, I think there's always, and then, and then I'll get to the boys side of it, um, there's always this sense of, so almost like a, a a sense of either competition or or you know feeling threatened without really understanding why you're feeling that way, um, mm-hmm. and we are predisposed to that. Our brain, our our women's fight or flight, is predisposed to making sure that that man and that woman doesn't threaten what that is. So anything that might symbolize a threat can actually become something that you, you know, are either, you know, you react to. Um, whereas men, what's interesting about what's happening now with that, with men is that now the gender roles are changing so much. Women have such this, a different kind of, of need from a man than they ever did that they're sort of struggling for what their purpose is. So what's my purpose as a man? If you don't need me to protect you, mm-hmm. what is my purpose? And so there's that whole thing. So as we evolve, we, we shift and we change, and we're in a very like tumultuous time right now where we're trying to figure out what it all means. And I think you are very particularly interesting subject as far as that is because you are someone who is you know unlike anybody at a very high level thrust into something that is more male you are a race car driver and you are the only fucking woman you know i mean how many how many women owned teams oh there was one in atlantic so it was like one like lower level team that had a female owner okay so i mean you are just surrounded mm-hmm. by men and models and like Red Bull models, right. you know, I mean, the, <laughs> that's right. The, right. You know, so you, it, you, you couldn't be in like a more kind of misogynistic world even. And I'm not saying that like those, cause I know a lot of those guys and I, they're the best and I love them. I'm not saying that like that, but just as a, re- as what it represents, I mean, yeah. it's as masculine as it gets. Yeah. Were you accepted? Had you always been accepted? Was there acceptance right, right from the get go? I mean, nobody really said stuff to my face, but I am sure that there were a lot of people that just Right. There's a power in belief. There's a power in believing and being all in on something. And like, so in my situation, it would have been like believing I could do the job, giving me the car it took, giving me the mechanics, the engineer, all the things that it took. And so if somebody along the way, especially the higher up they get, or many along the way, didn't believe truly that I could do it. Like, oh yeah, and we're going to give her a chance. But like believing at a level that was giving me what it took to accomplish great things as it does to someone else that's going to accomplish great things, that's a guy, that I think think was probably something that was always challenging was to find sort of my situation to be ideal for me to show my talents off um, without being um, hindered by, you know, uh, sort of second grade this or third grade that or like, oh, this will do or, you know, just like a lot of compromise along the way. Like, let's say good equipment, but maybe not the best. Right. So if you want me to be the best, how the hell do you expect me to be the best? Um, Mm. 
But I feel like well, all, there's a lot of it comes down to that, doesn't it? Like, with, you know, it's about yeah. the car. I mean, how uh, much yeah. is it about the car and how much is it about the driver? I mean, I've become very friendly with Jimmy Johnson because yeah. he lives here. And, you know, it's his, obviously it's his, it's his last year. And I'm like, what happened to you? Like, why are you not winning? You're still an amazing <laughs> driver. And it's like, it's the car. And he, he goes, it's the car. We can't get the car to where we want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy's not a worse driver. I, that's what Danica would always say. She was like, I didn't forget to drive how to drive. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you do really good at some point and then not, like you don't forget how to be or I good. didn't learn. Like, let's say one weekend goes well and I go, Yeah, I know that's fun and great and all, but I didn't just learn how to drive this weekend and then forget the mm-hmm. next. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many things that go into performing well um, that are outside of your control. And that was what I ended up end up letting go of. Like, I was so determined for so long, especially in NASCAR, that I was, like, going to stick it out to get the situation right. But things kind of kept getting stripped away. And so I just was like, fuck it. This isn't the life that I want. I don't really Yeah, care. because I, it, it, I guess I, just, I, I would imagine it gets so stripped away that finally they're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I can't win now yeah. i mean it's yeah. just not even a possibility because right. so much has been stripped from the team that we don't have a car that can that can even come close to competing so what am i doing here sure. totally right true. i mean exactly i watched this f1 series that i really oh, got yeah. into they did two years of it on on netflix, yeah. and, oh, on netflix and it yeah. really opened up my eyes it's mm-hmm. like it's like unfair. I mean, yeah. oh, you've yeah. got everyone's an amazing driver, but you've got yeah. Hamilton with Mercedes and there's so much fucking money that's pumped into making oh, his God. car and his team the best team. How can you lose? You know? Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. When I did uh, before I um, one of the things that I did that was helped me get a ride back in the States when I was done was this big race called the Formula Ford Festival. And there was over 100 entries from all over Europe. So right, French drivers, Belgian drivers, like Spanish drivers, British drivers, and they all came to this track in England called Brands Hatch and did um, did this big race. And um, I finished second, which was the you know, which was great, right? It was best for female for sure, best for an American ever. And the the equipment that I had was the leftover equipment from the whole season by the number one driver on the team. And guess who won the race? The guy that got mm-hmm. the new equipment. I finished second. Oh God. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it goes. That's so annoying. But I wanna I wanna get back to like the on my mind, which I'm is remarkable because I have a mind that moves very quickly from thought to thought and I forget very easily. But <laughs> in the things that you were talking about, about the difference between men and women and the roles, I get this feeling right now like we're in a year, we are in a point in time, a point in history of where it's like boundaries and um, paradigms and cultural biases and perspectives and opinions and this whole like the whole dynamic of being a human being is being dissolved and it's time to rebuild right so as you talk about this very confusing time with men and women and what are our roles right it makes me really can I can really feel into that right now in this year where it's like everything is being dissolved Re- and redefined. Away. Yeah. And so like it will be interesting to see. And I don't know, maybe you have a perspective, but, you know, you talk about like the man is supposed to be the protector. So if the woman is now strong and she doesn't need the protection, what is the role of the man? And so it leads me to wonder what is the point 
of the relationship, right? That needs to be the new question is why are we together? And when you say everything's dissolving, like define everything, cite examples of what, what, when you say everything, you know, I guess uh, the everything's the nevers and the always are tough words, but I would just say, um, you know, uh, the way that um, everything with Black Lives Matter to Me Too or Time's Up to um, women in the workplace or equality in the workplace or, um, you know, just any of those things, these, those, these issues that are coming up where it's screaming for balance and screaming for equality, uh, it seems as though are being just brought to the surface. All those issues to me are because everybody just wants to be one, right? Like on some mm-hmm. level, and mm-hmm. there's, there's people that you know, there's just the, I don't know, there's an upheaval to get it there. The balance is also the word too, Danica, because, you know, when when you're trying to create balance, the pendulum is going to shift dramatically in different directions, right? Yes. And then it it does settle. It has to. I mean, it's just the nature of energy, right? And like, I, I really believe... That finding again, we're talking just we're talking about gender, you know. That finding the balance of gender, you're talking about masculine femininity. This has been my work because I lean very masculine, and and like, and even though like you know, put put a dress on me and some party shoes, but I'm still like in the mud. And like, if someone gets on my back, I'm like, I'm like a you know, I mean, I'm like a a puffer fish, you know. It's like so, (laughs) so. But the balance is 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 key to everything for everyone, whether male, female, they, you know, however you identify, it's finding that kind of masculine feminine balance. But when you throw on top of it, you have a male and a female, and then within each male and female, there's masculine and feminine energy in both. And so it's like balancing your own to be balanced for the relationship. Um whatever that is, right? Because then you throw into it that that element of like, maybe it's okay to be this way or that way. And it just, it's hard. I also think that we're living in a time where people are really accepting to vulnerability and transparency. And I love that. The more vulnerable you are, I think the less um, you're setting yourself up for people to sort of judge you or call you a hypocrite or, you know, and I, I yeah. like that about what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. It always goes back to sort of so many of those wonderful, beautiful quotes by people throughout the ages where it's always starts with you. It always starts with you. And so we can't, you know, arrive in the world in a place and see the see the world in a way that's any different than we live. So if we live in a restricted life and a judgment life and all of these in a shameful life and a fearful life, that's all we see in the world. And so it, the work always freaking starts with you. It's just just the way it is. Um, but I actually, actually getting back to a point, getting back to a point, I know we asked, um, you know, we asked, we asked Brooke about sort of Danica's life and whether there's any envy there, but I, what about the reverse of it? You know, I mean, is there any part of Brooke where you look at and you're like, man, I just wish, I wish that was my, my life. Mm, um, I think I, I envy, you know, the partnership that she has. I mean, they're really, really great partners in life and for each other and with the kids and everything Mm -hmm. that they do. And so relationship has always been something that has been 
top of the list, something that I want for myself. And so, um, yet it hasn't seemed to go right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I guess I have this, you know, we were sharing some things about some experiences that we've had and some that she's had that I, mm-hmm. I honestly hadn't heard before. Um, this was not that long ago. And, um, I, I generally think that, you know, we have this, you know, a, a couple seasons of our life and one of them, one of a season of life has to do with life lessons and relationships and yourself, really like yourself through the relationships. And then another season of work, right. Where you make money and you go be successful and you dig in and you do that. And I just think that, you know, for me, I think I had, I, a lot of people go through the season of growing as a person and in relationship in their twenties and I was working. So mm-hmm. I did that season in my 20s and now I'm in the season of figuring the other part of my life out mm. um, in my 30s. And so um, so I guess I, I have things to learn from her. You know, I have things to learn. Well, I, I, don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, Brooke, but and you don't have to answer this question. But if you're looking at your sister, why would you say that it's been tough for her in the relationship department? Whoa. You All know that's a good question. Jeez. Yeah, you know the answer. You can tell them the answer. Um, you know it. I also think too because she like wants it so much. Sometimes she like seeks it so hard that she just like she's such a she's she's like all about endurance like she's gonna be a fixer she's gonna like ride it out she's like a ride or die like for life like if you have her she's there and she is fully committed. And I feel like that, that constant like endurance of like, it's okay. This is just how I am. This is how I'm built. This is what I'm good at. I can, I can work on things. I can fix things. I feel like also that voice is just kind of, it's just telling her this lie that like, no, you know exactly what is in your heart. Like, you know, it and your, you know, your strength is just saying, no, no, no. Like, it's okay. It's all right. I, I got this. And yet inside, I think she's always felt like she's known always the truth about everything. And it's just more of her endurance and her will to just make it all work, um, has been her barrier. Hmm. I give up boundaries, right? I think that's what I'm learning is I give up boundaries. Um, I, I'm willing to, please and fix things. And then I don't hold my own boundary of like, you know what, this is bullshit. Like, nope, deserve better. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know what, that's not, this doesn't feel very equal or balanced in effort, or this doesn't feel very like I'm extremely open and vulnerable and you're not like, that's not balanced. Or like, I go to see you, you don't come to see me. Like those things, like learning those boundaries for myself so that I don't give them up. Do you think there's a psychology behind the guys that you, you choose? Oh, I, I know where it comes from. I mean, like, I mean, I've, this is unpacking my shit is like, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, when we started racing, dad yelled all the time, yelled at me a lot. And I was always in trouble and never doing well enough. And then, you know, a mom said that that was every weekend, like arguing, like yelling every weekend. And then I was like, well, what did we do? And she said, well, we just gave in. So that's the person Mm -hmm. I am. I, you know, I learned, I learned that arguing meant yelling. I learned that, um, you know, I wasn't good enough at anything ever. And I learned that if you want things to move on, you just give in. So, Hmm. yeah. 
you're so smart and so evolved. <laughs> what? You are what yeah, you I know. You're I so mean, smart and evolved, yeah. and I love it. Just the the. I mean, it's awesome. And I think when you were thinking about like the masculine, <laughs> feminine, like the balance and dynamics, like I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I see so many more. Um, like such a big shift in the way that dads parent because it's not babysitting, right? Like when you talk like, I mean, our dad, but it's not just our dad. I think literally that whole generation, like, didn't change diapers. Like he didn't change one of our diapers. Like it was just, that was how it was. And it wasn't even like, it definitely wasn't the crappy dad. Like you were the triplet dad. So we were thinking, so dad took um, her girls on a trip to what is it called? Holiday World. Holiday World. Mm-hmm. And for the for like a whole for a night and a day, like drove in, this had dinner, recent. went to very recent, and yeah. then went to the park all day. And so, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that go into that as far as, you know, what if they need their ass wiped? What if they pee their <laughs> pants? What if, you know, like literally the ass yep. wipe is a thing because Jordan likes to have it's, people wipe her butt. Um, yeah. So the thing is though, is that we looked at that and we were both like did dad, do we have that memory of ever doing anything like that with dad? And we were like, no, I mean, not no. Really, but yeah. I, and so mm-hmm. even grandparents are Can being change. like grandfathers are mm-hmm. being different than they yeah. used to be. So it's beautiful. Cause there's so many dads that I see who are like either stay at home dads or they're super present. Like, I'm so grateful. My husband is like, I literally like when we went on vacation, I was like, okay, you got this for like six days and I don't have to worry about it. It's Mm. not like I didn't have to write him a list on how to be like, how to take care of the baby. Like he just knows Mm -hmm. because he's present and he's, so I think that that's a really interesting shift in how that's going to like affect that kind of, you know, our kids generation. Yeah. um, Yeah. On so many, not just like where you live, it's everywhere. Every geography is experiencing dads who are more, um, hands-on, more present, um, you know, because I think that... Yeah, well, that's that, that's that. been a cultural shift that's been going on for, you know, a little bit of time now. But yeah. there's been an evolution of, of, of fathers, for sure. Big I mean, time. from the 50s until now, it's, it, looks, mm-hmm. it looks totally different for the most it. part. So we've talked a lot about self-improvement and unpacking all of our shit. So how do you think you girls could be better sisters to each other? Oh, hmm. I could probably, I feel like I, I tend to, um, I tend to, cause I am so open and vulnerable and because I do talk about everything going on in my life, I can probably take a lot of energy. Like I need a lot of energy from you to help me with the things going on. And so I could probably show more interest. And again, it, it's a matter of opening up on the other side, but you know, go deeper with you about what's going on with you instead of it being about me a lot of the time. Hmm. And then maybe playing with the kids even more because I'm not great at like playing. I like to do activities. So I'm great at the activities, right? Like let's go for a walk and we'll adventure and we'll do all these cool things and we'll like scale down like the side of a hill and we'll, you know, I'll jump on the raft with you on the lake and make you fall over. And like, I love activities, but like the Mm -hmm. actual monotonous playing of like, Let's play dolls. <laughs> I, it's funny you say that because that shit is hard. I don't it's like hard. that either. I mean, I, I get so tired. Yeah. I want to play dolls. I'm, oh. like, I'm literally like falling asleep. So I just don't. Dolls. So maybe I could do a little more of that. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of stuff that I can be better at. Um, probably doing like st- more. I mean, I don't know. We like the same stuff. That's hard stuff. Like we like a lot of the things I was going to say, do things you like to do. I'm like, oh, okay. I like to do those same things. Um, and I was going to say, be spontaneous when you want to go somewhere. And I'm like, well, I kind of do that too. Um, I don't know. Tell me how I think. No, like that's I not be. the game. All right. My game then. <laughs> I feel like you, okay, you guys okay, so have the to one do this time, too. One time We're having a family maybe circle here, is, so you guys have to go. Maybe this is it. Um, giving you, like, in the moment, maybe where I could be better at is, like, because you're, you know, so strong and you're definitive about things, um, challenging you a little bit more when things come up. Like, yep. if I feel it, I feel like I should probably be better at letting that out sooner. Like, it usually comes out. Like, I'll usually tell her my truth, and I, I'm feel like I'm mm-hmm. pretty honest with her, but maybe not right then. Like I might need time to think about it for mm-hmm. a little bit or wait for a different opportunity mm-hmm. for things to come up. So I feel like that could probably be. Um, well, in fact, spot. that was what I was actually thinking is she could probably be a little more down the barrel with me. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason mm-hmm. why you may be reserved that why you didn't mm-hmm. say that is because you have been a little bit better about that. Yeah. But you could still you can just tell me you can you can be as blunt as you want with me. Yeah. You can be as blunt as I am with people. Yeah. What I am with people with me. It's quite an invitation. <laughs> 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 All right. Oliver and I. Let's see. Oh, we have to do it. Yes, family circle. I could say, let's see, what could I do better? I could be more attentive to what he does, meaning like actually watch the things that he does and <laughs> and I like know. I haven't but even I, listened I, to I, his I don't other even podcast care about, yet. I don't even care about that. I know, but it would be it, I it would make me feel better because I feel like I, I have so much going on. And then, like, I'll see a little bit of it and I'll love it. But then, like, I'm not, like, and I'm not as invested in the things that Oliver's doing as much as I wish I was or could be, you know. Um, And I would say the only thing is, is with COVID, it's just been a little weird because there's, you know, it's like, usually, like, we're super good with the kids. Like, we're always Mm in each each other's kids' lives. The kids will come to my house, his house. Um... And I guess I could also be. I need more money. <laughs> oh God! <It's> just... <laughs> um, yeah, I could be more generous. You need to put a bigger well, price tag could... on your on your on your free free loving brother uh, babysitting. There yeah, needs to be a bigger price tag on that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's right. He's gonna start charging. Well, mine, 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 mine is, is, is similar to Brooke. Like I, for me. I I wish I was more down the barrel with you, meaning, and I'm getting better at it. Yeah. But again, Kate's tough. You know, Kate is opinionated. Um, and sometimes it's easier just to say, oh, fuck it. Yeah. You know, like, I, oh, fuck it. I, it's not even, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> but that's not the right way to operate. So that would be my thing is just to be more down the barrel yeah. with Kate and say what I feel and you know whatever happens happens but at least I am getting out my truth to her in that moment Mm. because I am a very laid back you know water off the back guy where it's just sort of like yeah whatever 
Well, that's you know? what he likes to tell. And that's himself, good. And some that's a, that's a whole. That's good sometimes, but a lot of the times that's it's it can be detrimental. So that's that's what I would. That's what I would be. Yeah. This was like more of a therapy session than a podcast. It was so great. Oh, shit, I love I know. it. Well, let's do the speed round, Kate. Are you ready? One word yep. to describe the Go. other. Um, Brooke, uh, Oracle. You're very intuitive. Danica, I would say intense. And I mean that in a loving way. Um, intense about everything. Intense about great things. Intense about just, it's, it's like her love is intense, you know. It's a good. It's a good word. <laughs> who is the Who is the favorite child? Uh, I I will say our parents were very very good about yeah. not picking favorites, and I've always said like, you know, Danica just happened to be on the path of racing, and it required a lot of time, money, everything, resources. Our whole family was around it. And it would have been exactly the same if I was driving. Yeah. It, like I truly feel that way. Um, so they were, they were very good about never making it to be Danica this or you know just because she was famous. Mm. Like there was there was very good boundaries there. Who got into more trouble as a kid? Oh, uh, Danica did. I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who was bossier? Well, I know that answer. Yeah, Dan- I mean, clearly Danica. <laughs> there are more, more temper tantrums, though. Yeah, that was me. Oh, was you were t- more dramatic. I had a lot of hard time coping. I just had too much feelings going on. <laughs> Sometimes I needed to lay on the floor and kick around, oh you, know? you know? The whole, like, arms and legs, like, thrashing. Sometimes it just needed to happen. And now yeah. you got it with your little girl, Jordan. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. a daughter that does the same thing. Yeah. So I'm like, you know. Who... Was more outgoing. I would say Danica was outgoing. I was. I was. Mm -hmm. Brooke was a little bit of a homebody. Mm -hmm. I'd come back from being gone in England for months Mm -hmm. and I'd be, I'd already be out that night that I got home with my friends. And I couldn't, I couldn't cope with that. I was literally like, but like, where aren't you home? (laughs) I'm like, cause you you didn't ask me to be home. They asked me to go out. Yeah. Who gives better advice? Mm. I'd say Brooke. I think Brooke gives better advice. I don't know if it's because I need more Mm. (laughs) or uh, not, but, um, but I'd say that um, I'd say you give better advice. But I I think also because she's so down the barrel that she, she can give hard advice where sometimes that's not easy for people Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. Who calls the other more? I'd say you call me a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the better texter? Uh, um, we're both, I'd say we're both pretty good at texting yeah. and we've got a lot of common friends too. So we'll be in different text threads with them mm-hmm. or, you know, DMing funny pictures or something. Mm-hmm. So what about first celebrity crush? Oh, you remember mine, don't you? Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Duh. <laughs> yeah, that was I your first him. crush? Yeah, oh, she was from oh, Titanic. You were so worried. Like my dad was a little worried that she was taking this Romeo and Juliet thing too soon with like the like he she he was a little bit worried about this. It was, <gasps> it was oh or Titanic. She went to go see Titanic like four hundred times. I in saw the it theater. ten times before it came out on, on, on in the theater. theater. What about Brooks' first crush? Uh 
I've always liked Justin Timberlake. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. But that, there had to have been was... one earlier, but I can't remember. Was there? Not really. I never was like that. Yeah. I was never like that. Did were you did you like ever. him like boy band years or was this more like, you um, know, gone solo yeah, JT? Yeah. Like I was definitely the frosty an tips. Like yeah. I could I was an insinker. Oh, the denim on denim, like denim, the curly, denim, denim, the curly hat, denim. frosty tips era. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, who could talk their way out of a ticket? Well, Danica, Danica, have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? I'm way too blunt with them. I just tell them I can drive better than them. It's not her. It's not not me. Mm -mm. I get them. No, it's me. Yeah, if I had to talk it out. I get them. I just hope that they recognize who I am or look at my license. Because you can't tell them, right? You can't do that. You can't be like, don't you know what? You cannot do that. It's just not okay. Um, so you yeah. just hope to God when they have their, they take your license and they're back in their car that they go, huh, huh. Uh, um, I'm sure you've had that, right? Where, you know, officers yeah, like, wait happened. a minute. It's happened a couple of times, but they've also not cared many times. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Something your sister's really bad at. Um, I, I, I don't know what you're really bad at. I feel like we're pretty coordinated, mm-hmm. physical, capable, rational. Can level. you sing? Like, can you draw? Can you? Oh, mm. okay. Oh. <laughs> Look, she's like, I can sing really good. <laughs> no, I mean, she can. Uh, I can't drive the speed limit. I mean, I don't know if that's really cool. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I got one. Uh, she's not, it's not so great at golf. I'm not that great at golf. golf. I'm going to say oh. golf. She oh, can work God. on her golf game. I guess we tend to only do things that we really are naturally okay at, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. otherwise, if we suck at it, we don't do it. Who's the better cook? 100%. Yeah. She's I love cooking. Cook. Like, she's, yeah. she's very good cook. So, no, that's not even close. Who's more organized? Well, I'm going to have to say that just because of the level of complexity and layers and yeah. things that I have going on in my life. Now, I do have help, but I would say that I have to stay pretty friggin' organized because of everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I don't have three kids and mm-hmm. three dogs and you know what I mean? So I think we both have that tendency yeah. to be to keep keep shit pretty organized. Who can keep a better secret? Yeah, probably Brooke. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> I think me. that I think that there's it's easy yeah. to keep a secret for the, from the places it's not supposed to be for both of us. But I don't think that we have the capability either of us to keep it from nobody. Right. What is the music of your childhood? I mean, you guys are the same around the same age. So, like, if you were to say a band, like, um, what is that band? Well, I mean, Queen. Queen but Queen. then, if we were to go another band of our childhood to be like, you know, Britney Spears and. In sync. Oh, he, that we was did kinda, like we did like TLC, and oh, then we TLC. Went, Don't go chasing we, waterfalls. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did a TLC fan. Uh, love that song. Like, uh, um, what was the yellow convertible? What was it? Nelly. Nelly. Oh based. yeah. Pink and Pink's early Pink. early stuff. Mm-hmm. So good. If you um could eat one food forever, only if you could only eat one food forever, what would it be? I used to say eggs for me, like, um, uh, but then I did enough food test that said it was an intolerance, but I guess I could live off of eggs. If I only had one food, who gives a shit if it's inflammatory? <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely going to be in the breakfast category. My first thought is, I mean, it's my death row meal, last meal. I love pancakes. I freaking love some mm. breakfast. 
I'm going to make us some pancakes when we're done with this. That's actually what we grew up in the summers. Like when we were old enough to stay home, like we literally alternated between one day it'd be pancakes. And I, I was a pancake maker. She was the French toast maker. And uh, I like breakfast is my jam. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Cake or donuts? Cake. Cake. Mm. Vodka or tequila? Tequila. I'd probably pick vodka. Nice. I'm glad. Um, winter or summer? Summer. Ooh. I like I like them both. I'm like really not one that gets affected by cold weather. Um, I'm I'm in a no. I can do either one. So I which one's win- yours? I, I, I might supposed to be fast. Winter. Winter. Live in the past or live in the future? I'm a futuritarian. I future cast everything. A future. Shower or bath? Shower. Oof. Beatles or Stones? Oh, Stones. stones. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm big not a, Beatles fan. I'm not a big Beatles yeah. fan. Like every time I oh hear a song, God. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, why? It's Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my no, God. That. New York or LA? I guess New York. L- I guess LA. New York. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Sweet. Beach or mountains? Mountains. <sighs> mountains. Sports car or Escalade? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Escalade. I might pick the Escalade, I to be honest. Escalade. Not the sports car. It's mm-hmm. not functional. It's very true. Um, okay. All right, Kate, let's ask the final question that we ask every everybody. It's a two-parter. So if you could... Take one thing from your sibling um, as your own, something that you admire about them, something that you might lack that you wish you could have. What would that be? And then the second part is, what would you take away from them? What would you alleviate from them in their lives to make to make their existence just a little bit better? Mm. I would pick her fearlessness. Mm. Um, like that's never a barrier for her. Um, and if I could alleviate one thing, um, oh, I just mend that heart, you know, Mm. Mm. I would probably take your, your partnership, your true love. And I would alleviate I would want to, I honestly, like it might be superficial, but I would alleviate any financial worry. Like I'd want to just give you the ability to live the life that you want in an, in, in integrity, of course, not like buying stupid things, but to make sure that you never had to sacrifice for yourselves, each other, perhaps it might be like a getaway that you want to do or something for your kids or a school, whatever it is. Like, I just never want you to worry about that. Oh, yeah. That's so um, I think my bags are lighter, guys. That's Good. you know, that's that's <laughs> all we strive for. <laughs> Sibling Revelry is executive produced by Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson. Producer is Allison Bresnik. Editor is Josh Windish. Music by Mark Hudson, aka Uncle Mark. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 